1: From the PacWest Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Gonzano with the bald-faced truth.
0: I was minding my business today, and I had already filed my picks for week eight of the college football season, my Pac-12 picks. I had filed them, and people who subscribe to me at johnkanzano.com know they got them in real time in their email inbox. and. I was sort of minding my own business when all of a sudden the phone rang and I looked down at the caller ID like you do every time your phone rings and I thought to myself does that say Chip Kelly? And it, do- it did Chip Kelly called me and we ended up pretty quickly in a conversation about the house that Chip Kelly built you know the house that Chip Kelly built not onson Stadium I'm talking about The house that he built right before he left for the NFL. 6,281 square feet, six bedrooms, five and a half bathrooms, indoor basketball court, 800-square-foot garage, swimming pool. Chip Kelly told me today he only lived in the house for a year and that he sold it at a loss. He sold it when he left for the NFL, and I heard a rumor about this house. I heard a rumor that this custom-built home included a room that was this mammoth sized room that it was like it was like the great hall in Hogwarts castle from the Harry Potter series and so i finally had a chance to ask chip kelly about this damn room that so many people have told me about i've heard it from multiple people that he had this giant room inside of his house and his plan was to have 80 or 100 college football players over at one time and and uh i asked chip kelly and he he went nah it had nothing like that. It was just a regular house. A regular house with 6,281 square feet, mind you. A regular house with six gables and a bunch of stonework on the front of the house. It does look like a, a castle, and people who live in that neighborhood tell me that they still drive past it, and they refer to it as Chip Kelly's old house, even though he hasn't lived there for more than a decade. Otson Stadium, is that Chip Kelly's old house in your mind? I was thinking about this today because I went back and I looked and I saw, I noticed that Oregon Oregon had 35 different head football coaches before Chip Kelly took the job. Chip Kelly took it in, uh, as you remember, 2009. Mike Belotti had stepped aside and he took over after being the offensive coordinator and uh, what Oregon had not had before Chip Kelly was Oregon didn't have a coach that had won at the clip and uh, and with the, with the uh, noise that Chip Kelly won with. I mean, he was 46-7 and at Oregon. Played for the national championship in the BCS era, which I think was more difficult to do probably than even the college football playoff era because it was so arbitrary and teams that were even deserving didn't get a sniff because only two teams were picked. Oregon fans know what I'm talking about. But uh, if you look at Oregon's history and you go back to the early days of Oregon football, like, you know, in the 1890s, Oregon sort of came onto the scene with a football program and that's well and good, but you know, they didn't really have any kind of success that was sustained at least until Rich Brooks was on the scene and Rich Brooks, I I use this metaphor today in print because after I hung up with Chip Kelly, I got in front of my laptop and I started writing because I thought, you know what, how many times am I going to have an opportunity to write a Chip Kelly called me column? And so I did it. And, uh, the, uh, the thing that I noted was that Rich Brooks lit the match for the program. Like, if you want to look at the trajectory, everybody always says, well, he laid the foundation. I don't think he really did because I think you can go back and you can look at, like, Len Casanova, and you can go back and look at, you know, even the early days of Oregon football where coaches were kind of cycling through in one-year cycles, and, and you can say, hey, um, you know, a lot of people played a role in this thing. But I'll just say this. Rich Brooks, who we've had on this show – He lit the match, okay? Then Mike Belotti, his replacement, blew on the kindling, got the smoke and fire going, like the campfire metaphor here. Then Chip Kelly showed up with a can of gasoline, and he threw gasoline on the fire, and he started an inferno that that I think kind of still is burning or at least smoldering today. Because if you think about the impact that Chip Kelly had on the program, Mark Helfrich replaces him but he inherits a roster that includes Marcus Mariota and they go back to the national championship game. Oregon played in several significant games under Mark Helfrich. Then Helfrich gets fired. The expectation though was set so high by Chip Kelly that 4 and 8 was no longer acceptable. Rich Brooks had a 4 and 8 season. Mike Bellotti had some seasons where he struggled, but 4 and 8 was no longer tolerated because of the expectations that Chip Kelly brought to the program like he did that and so Willie Taggart is hired as his replacement and why is Willie Taggart hired Willie Taggart was hired because he was the offensive minded guy that was out South Florida running a bunch of offense it was supposed to be high octane really good recruiting hey this is going to be revisiting the chip Kelly era right like when Taggart comes onto the scene if you were a duck fan people were drawing comparisons between Chip Kelly and Willie Taggart. It's undeniable that Chip Kelly's influence on Oregon, uh, you know, established uh, or or extended way beyond his tenure. Buckle up. That's what Willie Taggart said. And so, and, and the expectations were there because of who? Not because of Rich Brooks, not because of Mike Bellotti. Apologies to those guys. They did great things. But the expectations were there because of what Chip Kelly did. So Taggart leaves after a year. And Oregon moves into the Mario Cristobal era, and Mario Cristobal sustains sort of what uh, Helfrich and, and maybe Kelly left, uh, you know, several years earlier. And now he hands the baton, so to speak, to Dan Lanning, who, by the way, will coach on Saturday for the first time head-to-head against Chip Kelly. Now, this isn't like Dan Lanning in Week 1 against Kirby Smart. Like, it isn't the mentor and the pupil, but... It's a weird dynamic. And I got to talking to Chip Kelly today about, you know, what it will be like for him to be inside Ottson Stadium again. Because for all of us, for me included, I have memories of Chip Kelly at Ottson Stadium. And they include, you know, college game day coming to Eugene in, on Halloween night in 2009 to see, you know, number 10 Oregon play number five USC. I remember Lane Kiffin wore a beanie cap for that game. I was on the sideline, I saw him, and I thought, look at this guy. And Chip Kelly beat him 47-20. I remember game day coming back the next season in 2010. Stanford came to town. Oregon was number four, Stanford was number nine, and Oregon just whacked Stanford, 52-31. Oregon beat Stanford 28-zip in the second half of that game. And so I'm thinking about a lot of the memories of Chip Kelly, But I asked Chip Kelly what it's going to be like for him, and he tried to tell me it's just like any other game. He said this is his third time back in five years. It's not like it's my first time back. It's the same as going to Rice-Eccles Stadium in Utah. That's a tough place to play, too. Diminish, 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 diminish. You know, he downplays it, right? You know, and he says, hey, I know what it's like to be an opponent there. And then he starts to launch into his itinerary. He says, you know, we land at 5.30 or 6.00. We'll have night meetings. We kick off on Saturday at 12.30. We're going to be in town for less than 24 hours. It's not like we're going to see a million people. And I don't for a minute believe that this is just like any other game for Chip Kelly. I think this is just what he tells himself so that he can stay focused on the task. There's really no advantage to Chip Kelly waxing nostalgic with a sports columnist and radio show host in Oregon while he's trying to win a football game. But uh, I got to think that this feels big for him. On some level, I think it feels big for the Oregon fans and the Oregon program. I think it's interesting, too, that Chip Kelly has lost the exact same number of Pac 12 games as a visiting coach. He's 0 2 than he did when he was Oregon's coach. He was 26 and 2. I did not bring that up in our phone call, but we talked about a lot of things. We talked about Dorian Thompson Robinson. We talked about, I asked him, you know, Marcus Mariota, Darren Thomas, Thompson Robinson. Is a college quarterback just a college quarterback, or do you coach these guys differently? And he said they're all different. He says, you know, strengths, weaknesses, visual learners, audio learners, you know, do they have to do it to see it? What's the best way to adapt your style to their style? He talked about practice reps versus game reps. He doesn't feel like, uh, you know, because you can't touch the quarterback in a practice. You know, he says you, know, you, you go into a game, and it's, it's always different for the quarterback. It's, more, it's a different experience for the quarterback, more different than anybody else on the field because there's no contact in practice, and then games, it's live fire. And then, you know, I ask him about Oregon, and he says what every other coach says on game week. He says, oh, that's a really good football team. Um, I think it's interesting. The house that Chip Kelly built, it, it's not really Otson Stadium. You know, Thomas Otson, the Danish plywood uh, czar, uh, has his name on the stadium. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, he wasn't Len Casanova. He wasn't uh, Rich Brooks or Mike Belotti. But there's a place in Oregon history, in our state's history, for Chip Kelly that is, I think, a special place. Because anywhere you go, anywhere I've ever lived, and I've worked for six different newspapers, I've been all over the country, covered all these sports events, but anywhere I go, people are the, have sort of the same motivation. They want you to like their town. They want their stadium and their fan base and their programs to be special. And I think what Chip Kelly did more than anything for the University of Oregon in his tenure there, however brief and magnificent it was, was he elevated the program to a position where the country could not ignore the University of Oregon, could not ignore what was going on with his football program. He changed the way people played. He changed the pace of the game. He changed the rules to some expe- uh, extent. And then he went off to the NFL and got his teeth kicked in a little bit, but you know, he's back now at UCLA and he's got his best team since leaving. It's gonna be a big game. It's a huge game. Game day's coming back. We got Reese Davis on tomorrow's show. Dan Landings on today's show. Oregon Coach in the four o'clock hour. But I thought it was really interesting. And I wrote all about it. I wrote more about this. If you subscribe at Johnconno.com, free subscription, paid subscription, you got it a while ago in your email inbox and or you can read it there if you'd like. Go find it. But the bottom line being, this is a huge week. It feels big. The stakes feel big. The impact of this game feels big. We got big guests, you got Oregon State playing Colorado. They're you know, they're fighting for a uh, you know, their, their sixth win of the season. You got Oregon fighting UCLA for the pole position to get to Las Vegas in the conference championship game. This is all we can ask for in our region when it comes to college football. But the added bonus of Chip Kelly and the house that Chip Kelly built. I should get Don Essick to say that. That added bonus, it's just gravy. It makes it feel even bigger. we got a great show for you today. Jaden Grant's coming up next, Oregon State team captain. Dan Lanning, Oregon's coach, in the 4 o'clock hour. I want you here for all of it. you got the BFT statewide. Leave it here.
1: You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
0: Oregon State won again last week, beat Washington State. Great defensive performance. They get another opportunity this week at home, Research Stadium, where they are very good. They get Colorado on Saturday. Uh, Jaden Grant, team captain, defensive back, here to talk about it. Hey, how how does that feel to be part of a defense that, that shuts a team down? You give up 10 points to a very good Washington State offense.
2: Um, it feels good. Uh, to, to have those type of performances, uh, you know, show flashes of, uh, you know, playing at an extremely high level. Um, but for us, we're always looking at where we can improve. And, you know, we feel every game we leave a lot of plays out there. So, you know, we're still looking to play our best ball.
0: I I had several people tell me that this was your best game. Did you feel like it was your best game as an individual?
2: Uh, no, I don't really look at it like that. Um, you know, I, I try not to focus on the good plays that I have, but really – reflect on the on the ones that I could do better um but uh you know we won and uh we played well overall as a defense so um you know I'm happy with the way that we played as a team
0: yeah i think it's interesting i think you talk to a lot of athletes you always remember the plays you messed up not so much the because yeah. you you kind of expected to make the good plays right
2: yeah for sure um i think that just goes into you know all your preparation you know all the hours uh, that you put in you know into your craft and so um you know when opportunity meets preparation, you know, those are when big plays happen. So, yeah, you, you definitely expect to make those plays, you know, when you get the opportunity.
0: Now, you watched some film of the Colorado-Cal game, I'm sure, and, you know, Colorado got their first win. They're playing with a little better energy than they had early in the season. They're a little dicey. But uh, what did you see on film when you look at them?
2: Yeah, they, I mean, I, I saw, saw the football team, my Pac-12 football team, a lot similar to, the, you know, the one that we played last year, you know, that beat us. And, you know, every single week when you play in the Pac-12, um, you have an extreme charge ahead of you. And it's no different this week. Um, you know, I was talking earlier to, um, you know, media a little bit and said, you know, it kind of reminded me when we were in that spot, you know, back in the day when people didn't really expect much of us. Even that Colorado game when we beat them in 2018, you know, our, our program was kind of, you know, in a down point And uh, we still, you know, managed to, to, to come out and win that game. So you can never take a point lightly. Um, they have some playmakers all over the field. It's all on the tape. And uh, we're, all, we're just excited for the opportunity.
0: You mentioned, uh, you know, last season you were sitting on five wins. You had the game at Cal. You had to, as I remember, you had to sit the first half in that game because of a targeting call. Then you guys had the game at Colorado. You, you dropped both of those. They felt like winnable games. You dropped them both. How much are you guys talking about that this year as you look back and say, hey, take nothing for granted? Uh,
2: we, don't, we don't talk about it as far as living in the past, but we, we definitely have, you know, brought it up and mentioned it as far as learning from the past. I mean, it goes back to just us being a process-oriented team, you know what I mean, and uh, taking it day-by-day, rep-by-rep, you know, just trying to be the best us that we can be every single day.
0: What's the last movie you saw in the theater?
2: The last movie? I th- I think Top Gun, Maverick.
0: Oh, that's fan- that movie yeah. is fan. That movie yeah. made me want to go sign up and go to the... Uh, you know the Air Force or the uh, Coast Guard or whatever. You know, I I was ready, man. I walked out of there. It's like when I saw Rocky, and I was shadow boxing on the way out of the theater. When I was like, 10.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I I went and saw it with Dylan a while back. I've been trying to watch it again. My dad my dad bought him was Apple TV, and I got his bargain, so I can see all his <laughs> movies.
0: <laughs> I love that, but you that one, it's not quite the same if you if you're not in the theater unless you have like you gotta yeah, get exactly. the get the surround sound hooked up or how do you do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know surround sound, so I'll, I'll just watch it regular. But I'm, I'm glad I got the experience with the
0: movie theaters. All right, uh, uh, this kid Jackson Shelstead, the West Lynn High School basketball player, yeah, star player, Jackson. yeah, you know him. Uh, he got an NIL deal. All right, so Portland Gear signed. Like high school kids can can sign NIL deals now and play high school ball. Um, how do you how do you think? What do you think of that with high school kids? Or is it does it have a greater risk? I'm not talking about Jackson in particular because I know the kid, but, you know, high you as a high school kid, me as a high school kid, I don't know how that would have went over.
2: Yeah, um, I, I don't really know. Um, but for me, I think I kind of still stand, you know, the same way that I did about collegiate athletes as far as, you know, if people have the opportunity to capitalize off their name image or likeness, um, I think that, you know, it's a positive. So I think if it's used in the right way, you know, obviously – there's education around it, you know, for people at such a young age, um, and awareness. I think that'd be the best thing. But um, I, I definitely think it's a positive. All
0: right, you guys, uh, you, everybody's focused on kind of these other games that are going on, and I, I still feel like you're you're flying under the radar. But you don't mind that, do you? I, I still tell people, I'm Oregon State's not out of this conference championship thing. You win out, you probably go into Vegas.
2: You know, we just take it week by week, you know, day by day, like we always say. Um, you know, every every week the goal is to go one and zero. So um, this week we got Colorado, and um, like you said, you know, our goals are still out there in front of us. You know, if we just stay focused on that and we'll stay process oriented, I
0: I uh, also you know I I know that sometimes players will go you know, hey, I haven't beat this team before, or, or maybe I haven't beat you know Colorado. I don't know if you beat Colorado at home in your in your career, but. Do you keep track of that stuff? Like, do you remember the games against opponents when they, you know, you you play Washington State last week. Did you think about prior occasions that you played Washington State?
2: Well, yeah, Washington State specifically, yeah, I definitely did. And just because I felt like, you know, there's been a few, like, you know, kind of heartbreaking losses to them in the past. So that one felt good to get. But, you know, usually I, I don't. Um, but, you know, you tend to remember things like that after the game.
0: Jaden, uh, it's been uh, it's been fun to watch you guys play. You guys are, I think, turn You've turned a corner where people expect you to win games now. Uh, how does that feel to you, being on the inside when you're getting the respect on the outside? I mean, it, it's
2: cool, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's all about it's all about us, you know, and Charlie and what we think of ourselves. Because you know, at the same time, you know, there's been other moments where you know. People aren't questioning us and saying this, this, and that. And so, you know, people can always say whatever they want, whether you're doing good, whether you're doing bad. As long as we focus on us and focus on what we say inside, you know, Oregon State, the entire Oregon State program, um, I, I guess that's just how we operate.
0: Yeah, I, and I think you have to do that. I think for the rest of us, you know, it's, it's a different equation because we're not ask, actually tasked with being part of the game. Jaden Grant is with us, uh, team captain, defensive back, Oregon State. Your your uh, coach came on yesterday. He said uh, very likely that uh, it will be Ben Goldbergson at quarterback again this week. What have you seen from from Ben in practice uh, last week? Two weeks ago, he starts against Stanford. Gets a start against Washington State. How how much more comfortable is he looking to you this week, maybe than a couple of weeks ago? Uh,
2: ben, he looks good. He looks comfortable. You know, like he always has. And he looks sharp. You know, he like he's taking command out there. Like you said. You know, obviously how valuable you know that game time experience was for him. So you know, ben, Ben's been looking sharp. He's been looking good, and I'm excited to see what he does this weekend. All
0: right, uh, before you go, what's going on with Jamba and you? You still have your Jamba available if people want to go in and get the Jaden Grant special.
2: Yeah, the, the bubble jam is still available. Um, I, I don't know how long it's going for or whatever, but but it's been good. It's been a cool. Cool experience, feet? and I'm, I'm I'm still getting it daily
0: are you are you getting feedback do people uh, say text you your friends go hey i just got the uh the uh what do you call it
2: it's called jaden's boba jam
0: jaden's boba jam uh do your <laughs> friends text you and say that they they got it or do they are they going in another yeah. direction
2: yeah yeah they usually text me or or tag me in a picture or something like that so uh, it its it's, it's been funny
0: all right, Jaden, uh, we wish you the best. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, go get another one, and uh, we'll be talking about getting to win number seven next week.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. All
0: right, Jaden Grant, there he is, Top Gun. You definitely have to see Top Gun in the theater if you haven't seen it yet. If you haven't seen it yet, you know, I, 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 my first thing for you would be to say, hey, I'm glad you came out of your coma. My second thing would be get, go see it in the theater. Don't see it at home for the first time. Go to the theater. It's still out there in some places. Love that interview with Jaden Grant. We're going to talk about the college football picks for the week coming up. I'll give my final picks, locking them in. Steven will give his as well. We'll talk at 4.15 with Dan Lanning, Oregon's football coach. So I want you here for it. Spread the word if you are a Duck fan. You know a Duck fan. You probably do know one. Uh, Whoever just came to mind, I want you to text that person and say, hey, Get to the uh, radio station, 7.50 The Game in Portland, 10.50 in Eugene, 9.60 in Klamath Falls, 14.90 in Roseburg. Uh, Get to that station. Dan Lanning coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Leave it here.
1: Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 7.50 The Game
0: All right, let's talk about our picks. Yesterday we, uh, we gave our leans. Today we, may, we lock them in. Our final answer is reach, as Philbin used to say. Uh, Steven, yesterday we talked about our picks. And by the way, um, I did a little more research on home teams in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, home favorites in the Pac-12 are 30-1 and this season have won 30 of the 31 games outright. The only loss by a home favorite in the Pac-12 this season came when Arizona State lost to, I believe it was Western Michigan. The home favorites in the Pac-12 also cover the point spread a whopping 71% of the time. They are 22-9 against the spread. Uh, Home favorites, big time. Keep that in mind. We're going to start with UCLA at Oregon, 12:30 on Fox. Uh, the uh, home field advantage in this one, uh, it w- it, the home favorite in this one is Oregon, favored by six points now. I've seen the spread go from six and a half to five and a half, back up to six. It's bouncing around a little bit. but this is Oregon's second chance to make a first impression. That first impression was 49 to3. Georgia in week one didn't go well. I think Dan Lanning's going to be locked in. I think his team's going to be locked in. We're going to talk to him coming up in about a half hour. I have a lot of respect for Chip Kelly and what he's done this season, but give me the Ducks at Otson Stadium. I have uh, I have a score now. Didn't have a score yesterday. My score is Oregon thirty-eight, UCLA thirty-one. I think Oregon wins and covers.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I I still think UCLA is going to cover them. If I can get six, I think that'd be great. Um, you know, I I agree with you. I think Oregon's going to get the win. I just think UCLA is going to stay within that number, and it may just be six, it may be three, but um, it should be a really good game. You know, These two styles of teams, they've played really well all season long. They've been pretty physical at the front line, so uh, I think UCLA will be ready for the challenge.
0: Real test of a team that hasn't been on the road yet, really. UCLA's only road game at Colorado against a, uh, a team that is very good at home. So I think that's, that's what tips me there. Arizona State's at Stanford, 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Second game of the day, Stanford went on the road last week and beat Notre Dame. Arizona State, though, I think is a bad matchup for the Cardinal. This is my upset pick of the week. I am uh, Stanford's favored by three. I'm taking Arizona State 31, Stanford 30. Close game. Mock me if I'm wrong, but I think Arizona State gets the road win.
3: I agree with you. I think Arizona State uh, is the more talented team and. I know Stanford just went on the road to beat Notre Dame, but it was a very ugly game. I think Arizona State can score some points. I'm not sure. I'm not confident enough in Stanford to score enough points with Arizona State. So I agree with you. I think Arizona State uh, wins outright. So give me the points and on uh, the money line.
0: Colorado at Oregon State, 5 p.m., Pac-12 Network. Buffaloes looked better last week. Won their first game of the season. By the way, this, the uh, over-under on win total for Colorado was 0.5. If you add the over, you won. Uh, they, but they ran a new defensive scheme last week. and I thought it confused a Cal team that hasn't been great on offense most weeks. I don't think Oregon State gets fooled by this. I think Oregon State is also very good at home. They're 8-1 and one in their last nine games at Reser Stadium. The only loss being that three-point loss to USC. Uh, it'll be Ben Goldbergson at quarterback for the third straight week. I think this might be a breakout game for Golbranson. And while the offense isn't built to score, I think they moved the ball just fine. And I will not be surprised if Oregon State scores a touchdown on defense. Oregon State is a 24-point favorite. I'm picking them to cover that. Again, the trend is your friend. The home favorites have been great. I have at Oregon State 34, Colorado 7.
3: Yeah, yesterday I, I was leading Colorado, but, yeah, after digging in a little more, I'm going to switch my side here. So this is my official pick. I am going to pick Oregon State. I'm going to lay the points, and I'm with you. Um Yo, know, I just don't. You know, I know the offense isn't great for Oregon State, but that Colorado defense seemed really, really pumped up to play in that game in Boulder against Cal, against Cal. Um, and how much can Colorado really score? I'm with you. Oregon State's yeah. defense at home has been unbelievable. Way better than on the road. I believe twenty points better. It's like thirty three points compared to thirteen points a game. So how many can Colorado really get? This could be, you know, a 31-7 to type game, 31-3 yeah. type game, uh, I think Oregon State gets the win and the cover.
0: Look at Colorado's point totals this season. This is what really tips me. And Plus, I also looked at uh, Oregon State's performance at home versus the spread and away versus the spread. Oregon State is 15.5 points better at home when it comes to their performance against the spread. So keep an eye on that. They're just a better team at home. But look at Colorado's uh season you know you look at the games they've played you know they got 10 points on air force they got 13 on TCU they got 7 on Minnesota they got 17 on UCLA they got 20 on Arizona and they got 20 in overtime against Cal they only had 13 at the end of the regulation so I'm looking at Oregon State's defense, and I just don't see more than a touchdown for for Colorado. Yeah, and, does Colorado yeah. score two touchdowns? Like, if if Colorado's to the cover, they have to score
3: probably 14 points, I would yeah. guess. Like, can they get yeah. two touchdowns? I don't think they can. US, I don't think they can. USC barely got that, so I don't think Colorado can.
0: I, I also think there's a chance Colorado gets shut out in this game. I think, I think it could be like a 28 nothing game, something like that. And also the motivation for Oregon State, get
3: that 6-2, and two, get that guaranteed bowl game early in the season. Like you said, still have a chance for the Pac-12 title game. I think Oregon State has a lot to play for.
0: Washington is at Cal in the nightcap, 7.30 on ESPN. I, I, have, I have no idea what to do with Cal. They're a mystery wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a question. And uh, the Huskies have not been great on defense. But Cal feels like the perfect matchup to me. They're just inept enough on offense that I think Washington will handle them. And, you know, I looked at the stats, the conference stats. You know, Cal is, historically, has been a really good defensive team. They're more middle of the pack this year. Washington is the best passing offense in the conference. They will not be stopped this week. Unless Washington turns the ball over, Cal's not winning this game. Washington's a road favorite by seven and a half. I have him covering. 34-24 is the score. Washington wins it.
3: Again, I'm going to change this one again. I had Washington yesterday. I'm going to switch mine over to Callum and take the points. (laughs) Seven and a half. And this is the reason why. And I was thinking about this is Justin Wilcox, as much as I'd like him as a coach, when Cal seems to play really well, it's when it comes out of nowhere, right? When they went to Notre Dame, they were double-digit dogs. They cover almost win. Um, when they were big-time favorites over UNLV, they almost lost straight up in that game. And then, same as last week, double-digit favorites on the road against Colorado, they lose straight up. This is a game where they're getting absolutely no respect right now. Seven and a half-point home road dogs. I think this is a spot where Wilcox somehow gets it together and just hangs it, keeps it close. I think Washington wins the game, but this is a spot where Wilcox gets the Cal Bears. In a spot where you're just not expecting them to do anything, they come out and they play well. I think Cal uh, stays within the number, but Washington does get the win.
0: There you go. There's your picks. Now let's go back through those four games. Which one, if you had to say, you pick one game that you feel great against? About which one is the one that you feel strongest about? Let's rank them one to four. What's your top game that you feel strongest about?
3: Uh, my top game would be Arizona State. I, I think that Stanford uh, is getting a little. Uh, a little too much credit for beating Notre Dame, and on the road. It didn't. It wasn't an impressive win by any means. I think Notre Dame is struggling themselves. Arizona State, since they fired Herm Edwards, they've actually been solid. They haven't been terrible like we thought they might be. So I think Arizona State's just more talented than Stanford. Um, so I think they're going to win uh, straight up.
0: The one I feel best about is uh, Oregon State over Colorado. I think I just don't see Colorado scoring in that game, and I. I have a feeling Ben Gobrinson is going to have a big step forward week after starting his third game. Um, The Oregon-UCLA game is interesting to me because to me it's either the second or third strongest game that I feel. Like Chip Kelly makes me a little uneasy. You know, Doreen Thompson-Robinson makes me a little uneasy. You know, I started researching Chip Kelly in those big games and, you know, everybody remembers like the game against Auburn for the national championship or the, you know, the week one game against LSU – the following season and you know, you remember like those big stage games that he didn't win. But I was looking back at the conference games, like playing Halloween night against USC with game day there, or playing Stanford the next season, or going to Stanford two seasons later. Chip Kelly was very good in those games. And it gave it gives me a little pause because, you know, big game, big game coach But, uh, you know, maybe there's some similarities between some of the coaching staffs that he was up against that were maybe a little younger, a little inexperienced in some cases, but certainly not with David Shaw at Stanford. And, you know, those were great matchups. So I'm just I'm a little uneasy about my Oregon UCLA pick, but I have to make a pick and I just feel like the home field matters big time. And if this game were at the Rose Bowl, I might flip it. I might flip the score and pick UCLA. But I think this game being at Autzen Stadium, it just it tips it all the way for to Oregon for me.
3: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I had Oregon usually as my third most confident. And, you know, yesterday I picked Colorado, but just digging into it more and just talking about it, I, I have a lot of confidence in Oregon State to cover that number. So that would be my number two game. But I'm with you on the Oregon-UCLA game. This home field matters a lot. Uh, The fact that UCLA hasn't had, you know, they played at Colorado, but they haven't had that true road test yet. Uh, It is unknown how they're going to react to that. We've seen teams so far in the Pac-12, you know, fail that test, go on the road and not play very well. I mean, USC played well at Utah, but did not play well at Oregon State. We saw uh, Washington play really poorly at UCLA. So how does UCLA react to that tough environment? Game day is going to be there. The biggest game in Chip Kelly's UCLA career Going back to Oregon, it's going to be a tough one. I, I don't have a great feel on that one as
0: well. Yeah, and I look at the road games. I'll even go as far as, you know, Oregon State looked terrible when they went to Salt Lake City and they yeah. played at Utah. And in USC was a different team playing at Research Stadium than than they have been playing at the L.A. Coliseum. And, and you know, I'll even say, uh, you know, we watched Oregon go to Georgia. It was a road game, even though that wasn't Georgia's home stadium. That was a road game in Atlanta. Uh, I just think there's a, there's a big difference between – this game being played, uh, you know, even Utah going to the Rose Bowl against UCLA. Utah looked terrible in that game. And so I think that, you know, I'm I'm leaning into the home field here. And it really makes me sad that there's not a balanced schedule in the Pac-12. Like, that USC doesn't have to play Oregon or Oregon doesn't have to go to the Coliseum and play USC. Like, that's the missing piece here as we're evaluating. Like, I started looking at tiebreakers again, and then I, I realized it's a ball of yarn right now. Like, there's too many teams. There's five teams that have... Two losses or less in conference play, you can't you can't do the tiebreakers on that right now because some of the tiebreakers are if they are all if there's multiple teams tied, what is the record against the next highest rated team? It's just a mess right now. So, um, you know, I think we're gonna have a clearer picture on this thing in about two weeks. We're gonna know like it's down to these three teams, two or three teams. But right now, there are about eight teams that still can mathematically get there there's really nine teams that mathematically can get there of the 12 in the conference. So I just don't think it's worth playing that game right now. But I'll say this, the winner of UCLA Oregon is in pole position and and sitting pretty heading to, you know, the rest of the season. And, you know, the team that I think is most dangerous that is not involved in this game is clearly USC. Because USC still has UCLA on the schedule, and if USC wins out, they're very likely in Vegas. And You know, the only scenario in which they – do not end up uh, in Vegas is a scenario where there's multiple teams tied at the top, and maybe it comes down to the game they played at Utah last week. But USC very much in control of their destiny, so is UCLA, so is Oregon. To this point, everybody else is going to need help in some form or fashion. All right, I want you to leave it here. Our big splash is coming up. Dan Lanning in the 4 o'clock hour. do want you hear for it.
1: Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
0: Oregon football coach Dan Lanning will be joining us about a half hour from now. 4.15, he's supposed to be here. We will talk to him about the game on Saturday at Autzen Stadium. Big game for Dan Lanning, I think, uh, in particular, is Duck fans want to know the program's in good hands. After week one and the Georgia debacle, uh, people started murmuring and wondering and going, oh, is he too young? Are they in over their heads? All of that stuff. Uh, that talk has quieted as uh, Oregon has reeled off uh, five straight victories and is sitting in a uh, good position in the Pac-12 conference in control of their destiny and certainly at home this week against a uh, very good UCLA team. Oregon ranked in the top 10 in the AP poll, so I think it'll be a really good opportunity for uh, certainly for uh, Dan Lanning and Oregon to uh, get a, make a second impression. Uh, on America, right? Like um I think you got you got to know that first impression wasn't good. So uh Dan Lanning coming up 4:15. While we wait for that, the big splash.
4: This is
1: the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look 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 at it. Where? Down there. The Big splash.
0: Well, we just found out earlier this week, the OSAA, the governing body of high school athletics in the state of Oregon, announced that uh, students would be allowed to have NIL endorsement deals with potential brands. Portland Gear. Marcus Harvey's team over at Portland Gear wasted no time. Today, they announced the signing of Jackson Shellstead, the Westland High School basketball star who's headed to the University of Oregon, and Sophia Bell. At Jesuit High School, NIL deals for both uh, involved with Portland Gear high school athletes in the state of Oregon, like a lot of other states, may now sign endorsement deals with brands. So Jackson Shellstad and Sophia Bell are the first two to do it. Uh, this was reported earlier today. You heard it here on Seven Fifty The Game. Does uh, it going to create problems, Stephen? Do you foresee more problems in a high school setting than a college setting when it comes to? NIL. I'm torn on it because on one hand, I think less money involved in the high school ranks, but you also have a maturity uh, issue with some high school kids. And I'm kind of wondering if uh, NIL deals will affect the locker room more potentially at the high school level, or is that a non-factor because the deals will be so small and maybe more reasonable? Or if there are large deals, it's coming with a whole bunch of other baggage anyway.
3: Yeah, I uh, I think that is going to be a bigger deal the college game uh, just because of the amount of money, right? I still think that um, you, no matter what, the boosters are going to be giving out money all the time. There's going to be a lot more money flowing. Where in high school, again, I don't know what the deals are, um, but I think more people will just, especially in high school, like it's more of a family dynamic, I think, for the team. So they, I think they'd be more just excited that someone on their team is getting the NIL deal and that they're kind of making history right now. Right, like if you're on Westland, like you want your own NIL deal, but you're also psyched because Jackson Shellstad got the first NIL deal in Oregon history. So I, I I don't know that it's necessarily going to cause problems, uh, in the locker room. But you are right that it will cause maybe some problems for some athletes. Uh, you know, this is, it's, it's. I think it's a bad, it's a bad turn to turn high school sports into a job, and that's kind of what this is is that when you're getting NIL deals, you're making deals to get real-life money, even if it's not you know life-changing money, it's real-life money. So this is a job now. You have to go out on the court or the field and perform. So I think that's a little – it's kind of a, you know, a slippery slope there, but uh, you know, I think it's cool that the, that the athletes are doing it and they're getting their money.
0: And a wise man tell me one time, uh, Bob DeCarolis, the former Oregon State AD, he said, hey, I was coaching my daughter's third-grade volleyball team, and he said, hey, your job is to make them want to come back the next day. Like, just a reminder that it's not supposed to be high stakes, right? It's supposed to be fun. Um, I'm torn on the NIL thing in high schools because on one hand, I don't want to stand in the way, I would never want to stand in the way of anybody on the free market getting what is what they deserve. Like, you know, I would never begrudge somebody else for going out and getting the deal that they get. Like, I just think that's petty. Uh, but I also am a little worried about the dynamic of teams. And I'm more concerned with, booster collectives that are being closely watched at the college ranks reaching down into high schools follow me here trying to influence high level recruits saying hey we'll give you an NIL deal wink wink nudge nudge you come to our university when you graduate high school and we got more for you like I kind of worry about that I, I'm not as worried about like you know Jackson, Shellstad and you know, and players of that caliber, they're already getting attention. They're already, since they were in eighth grade, identified as top prospects. They're already heralded and you know out there and on lists and being offered scholarships. Like, I think if if this uh, you know if the limelight is going to eat you up, it's going to eat you up before the NIL deal gets there. So I I think it takes a certain level of maturity, and I think you better have some good people around you. Uh, with NIL deals coming into high school, but I also kind of just worry about the Wild West that this could become. So keep an eye on that. Uh, I remember several coaches in the Pac-12 on media day going, hey, we don't know yet if this is affecting locker rooms. And I think the, the big thing's going to be when you know when a player transfers somewhere, gets sixty dollars or $100,000 or $500,000 or a million dollars, and then after a season goes ah eh, this isn't for me and backs out what happens then well you know how mad is that collective that wrote that check in the first place or is that the cost of doing business i don't know
3: yeah i but, mean that, that happened to Quinn Ewers at Texas he got yeah. i believe a million dollars and then he left after his first year at ohio state didn't really play much and now he's at texas
0: and how does that going to affect? Like, how mad? How mad are people there? Like, I mean, I would be furious,
3: <laughs> right? Like, like really? I'm, not, I'm giving you a million dollars to play at Ohio State, and then you're gone after a year. I'd be mad.
0: Hey, we bought you. You are supposed <laughs> to stay. You know, don't, you don't understand how this works. Um, another thing that was pointed out: Ty, one of the listeners of the show, uh, pointed out because I said earlier, you know, Chip Kelly at Oregon was very good against top teams, and it's true. Kelly was six and three against top ten teams at Oregon, but he pointed out at UCLA. Uh, Chip Kelly's 0 and five against top ten teams, and he's getting blown out in those games. He's lost by an average of 23.6 points per game. So keep an eye on that trend. Thanks for Ty, careful listener there, listening, really good. Um, but you know how much I, I also wrestle with this. We give Chip Kelly a lot of credit, okay, and I think it's nice to see him succeed at UCLA, succeed somewhere else. Because I do think it gives us evidence that it wasn't just Oregon's brand, the support of Nike, the support of Phil Knight. It wasn't just all these other things lined up and anybody could have done what Chip Kelly did, right? So Chip Kelly being at UCLA now and having this success this season is a reminder like, okay, you know, maybe the guy's just a really good college coach who didn't work out in the NFL. But I even think prior to this year, he was like 18-35 and or 18-25, and at UCLA prior to this season. He hadn't won more than four games in a row at any point. He already has lost more games at Autzen Stadium as a visiting coach. He's lost the same number of games that he lost in four years as Oregon's coach. He's 0-2. He was 26-2. So he's lost two games. I I find that really interesting. But to see him have success now at UCLA, I think, you know, it – Yeah, I think it really does improve his legacy. Do you think, Stephen, that factored into Chip Kelly's decision not to return to Camelot, not to come back to Oregon when he had the opportunity and Oregon's job was open? And you know, they were looking at Willie Taggart, but they left the door open for Chip when he was in the NFL. Do you think that the fact that you can't go home, you can't come back, you know, you're better off going somewhere else to try to have success because everyone's always going to go. Well, it was just Oregon.
3: Yeah, I do. I, I think very rarely you know, the second time around is it better, right? We've seen this different examples throughout sports of you come back the second time it's not as good. We've also seen examples of it being better, right? LeBron James going back to Cleveland, winning a championship. Um, Bill Snyder at Kansas State, he came back and they were awesome again. So it can happen, but I think it was such lightning in a bottle at that point with Chip Kelly. You know, Well, not that his offense was gimmicky, but nobody else was really doing what Chip Kelly does. And so I do think it is a good – um, barometer of showing that Chip Kelly can evolve and become a different type of coach and be successful in the world culture. college football. now, I do think that does have an effect on it.
0: We'll talk to Dan Lanning coming up in the 4 o'clock hour just about 15 minutes from now. Oregon's football coach will be joining us. Uh, we'll play some Punch It audio before that, though, top of the hour after a quick break. I want you here for the Dan Lanning interview in the 4 o'clock hour If you uh, know a Duck fan, I want you to shoot a text to your favorite Duck fan that's in your contacts and say, hey, get yourself to this radio show. I'm going to ask Dan Lanning all the questions on my mind. If you have a question you want me to ask him, tweet at me, at John Canzano BFT.
1: B. F. F. T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald-Faced Truth.
0: We'll talk to Dan Lanning, Oregon's coach, coming up at 4.15. you're a Duck fan, I want you here. If you're not a Duck fan, I want you here as well. Ask him what it's like to uh, have another big game week on his plate. Game day, all of that. How much of a distraction is game day? By the way, Sabrina Ionescu will appear on college game day. On tomorrow's show, Reese Davis, part of the game day crew, he'll be joining us tomorrow. What's the latest on college football playoff expansions timeline? How about the Blazers? 1-0, lightning in a bottle? Tom Brady joking about retirement, all of it, part of Punch It Audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement
5: from the Bald Fish
1: Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear
0: little snippets of sound. Hey,
1: it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented
0: by First Call Heating and Cooling. Well, Sabrina Ionescu will be the guest picker on ESPN's College Game Day this weekend. In the run-up to number nine Oregon, number ten UCLA, fans were calling for it, and the decision-makers at ESPN delivered. Here's Sabrina. She says she's excited. Punch it.
6: I feel good about it. Um, obviously, I saw Peyton do it last week, and I, I've seen a couple of them, so I'm excited. I haven't been able to attend one because when I was at the University of Oregon, um, I was in season. So I'm excited to be able to get out there, get out to Eugene, and um, hype up you know all the student-athletes, all the students that are um, ready to cheer on the Ducks.
0: I think it's a good pick. I think it's a smart pick. I think it speaks to the community. I think it speaks to the brand. I think uh, outside of maybe Phil Knight... There's probably not a better selection. Sabrina Gadescu. And she'll cast some, maybe some light on Oregon women's basketball program. So Kelly Graves has to be happy about that as well. But uh, really good ambassador. The guest picker. Now, the guest picker in this case, Stephen, help me out with this because I'm not like all the way into this game day thing like other people are because I'm often working when this stuff is going on. But outside of you know, picking the ducks. Is she going to be picking other games?
3: Yeah. So they think they usually have around 10 ish or so. Okay. Um, and so then they end with, they obviously will end with that game. Uh, the ducks and the B be- or ducks and the Bruins. And then that's where, uh, Lee Corso or whoever, you know, would usually put on the, the headset or the, the, yeah. the mascot gear. So he's yeah, going to she- put
0: on the duck hat. Yeah. as part of this.
3: So Sabrina will be picking, uh, numerous
0: games. I like that. Tom Brady joking about retirement. Can you joke about retirement after you've already retired, Tom Brady? Punching. Well, that's really why I'm here. I'm here to announce. Finally, you guys pushed me to the brink. And uh, no, I think you know, I think a lot of it for me is just us
6: going out there to, you know, I love the sport and I love the teammates and and uh, you know, I want to go do a great job for this team like I always have. So, no retirement in my future. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Tom Brady saying he's no retirement in his future. I got news for him: there will be a retirement at some point, Tom. But uh, he also had to apologize because he compared playing in the NFL to being deployed in the military. You talk about a first-world comparison. He likened playing to the NFL, playing in the NFL, to going away on deployment in the military. Um. He apologized, though, and said, you know, it was a poor choice of words. We all, we all do it. You put a microphone in front of anybody long enough, and they're going to have a poor choice of words. So I'm glad he thought better of that. But I don't know how you arrive in that position in the first place if you're not feeling entitled. Heather Dinich, ESPN, talking about the latest on college football playoff expansion. What is going on with the playoff expansion? Here's Dinich. punch it.
4: Wendy, number one is figuring out the academic calendar because there are going to be first-round games played on campus in December, so they're trying to work that around December commencement final exams things that we tend to forget about when we're watching college football games but there's also the issue of the NFL schedule competing against NFL playoffs you don't want to do that so the calendar is the first priority but beyond that figuring out how the new year's six bowls figure into the rotation including particularly the Rose Bowl because remember those quarterfinals semifinals and then the national championship game are all going to continue to be a part of that new year's six bowl rotation but as the SEC and the Big Ten get bigger and badder, revenue distribution is also at the heart of the conversation. If you have more teams in, you better believe some of those commissioners will at some point be asking for some more money. So those are the obstacles that they're trying to work out, along with a lot of other logistics. Those first-round games, Wendy, uh, people have told me this isn't like hosting an NCAA baseball tournament or a women's hoops tournament. There are a lot more logistics in terms of ticket allocations and things that have to be done to host a college football playoff game on your campus. Look,
0: uh, the commissioners in major college football were blindsided when the presidents and chancellors circumvented them and said, no, we're expanding. I think it was great that the presidents and chancellors did that. I also think they knew that they needed to do it because the commissioners were never going to get there. It also stabilized college football. For everybody out there that was worried about the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or what's going to happen, is the Big Ten cannibalizing everybody? Uh, this expansion of the playoffs stabilized things. But, uh, you know, look, I'm a purist. I want the Rose Bowl to have a place in this. I'm being told by sources inside the Pac-12 conference that the Rose Bowl will be part of it, that it'll either be a quarterfinal or a semifinal in most years, probably not the championship game. I do think it's going to lose some of the luster without the Big Ten-Pac-12 matchup being part of it, but Rose Bowl's got to be part of this. Blazers, 1-0, undefeated, beat the Sacramento Kings last night. Here's Damian Lillard, punch it.
6: And uh, I thought we started the game really well. They made their runs. They kind of controlled the game, you know, in that end of the second quarter to the end of the third, uh, toward the end of the third a little bit. And in our huddle, we just kept saying, you know, stay together, keep fighting, you know, keep defending. And uh, offensively, we didn't really have it going, so it's, I think typically we've been a team that, you know, we we built back into games by getting hot offensively and, and making shots. And uh, tonight we made it. We made shots when we needed to. Uh, we made free throws down the stretch, but it came down to just that fight. You know, we had a lot of guys step up and you know just be dog. We had dogs out there. You know, we was deflecting the ball. We was getting stops. We was physical. We was running guys off the three. We was getting rebounds. And uh, you know, we we really went out there and, and took a game. You know, with our you know our toughness and our defense.
0: Did they take the game, or did the Kings give it back to him, Stephen? Uh, I think it was a little of both. Uh, you know, I was impressed with certain things with the Blazers, but
3: the Kings definitely made a lot of mistakes in the fourth quarter with some turnovers and some bad shot selection. Uh, but, you know, I think overall it was a positive game for Portland just to to come back from, you know, being down so much and being in a hostile environment, that Kings environment was really tough. So, you know, they won in a different way than they usually do, which was very impressive. Uh, but it was a little of both. The Kings did play very poorly down the stretch.
0: I also think, um, I also think that when I look at, you know, that game last night, I, I'm a big believer in like, get just win baby. Right. But I heard Damian Lillard talk about the offense, not being there. like, I thought in the second half the offense was pretty good. He wasn't good though. Are you concerned about Lillard in the, you know, the poor shooting night he had? Um,
3: a little bit. Uh, You know, coming off the injury, you know, I'm not taking too much stock into game one, but at the same time, he was being guarded by a really big athletic guy, and that's what the king's strategy was. And we've seen that work against Dame in the past before. When they put a 6'7 athlete on him, he struggles to get to his spot, and that's what he did last night. He struggled getting to the spots he wanted to get open shots on. There were a lot of contested jump shots that he just didn't make. So I'm a little concerned, uh, but at the same time, I do think Dame will
0: somewhat figure it out and get back to scoring uh, regularly. Chip Kelly talking about Oregon's offense. He's had a chance to scout it. Punch it. I mean, yeah, there's a
3: lot of the, a lot of similarities to a lot of teams. I think everybody kind of copycats each other throughout college. But they're, they're sound. They run
2: the ball really well. Their quarterback is, is a true threat in the running game. Um, they try to get him. He's a big physical kid that can get the ball in the perimeter. Um, but they also distribute the ball in the passing game really well.
3: So um, I think it's a balanced attack, and, and you got to make sure you got to account for all eleven. You know,
2: sometimes when you have a quarterback that's not a runner, you don't have to account for him in the in the run in the run game. But you know, with with uh, with this quarterback, you do. So.
0: Bo Nix, how big of a factor will Bo Nix be in the game? We'll ask Dan Landing that coming up. That's Punching Audio. Dan Landing is going to be next. If you are a Duck fan, I want you locked in for this. If you uh, know a Duck fan, shoot a text message. Tell them to get to this radio show. Oregon football coach Dan Lanning, one-on-one, next right here on The Bald-Faced Truth.
1: You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Bald-Faced Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
0: Oregon and UCLA, 1230, Autzen Stadium, Saturday. Number ten against number nine. Dan Lanning joining us, uh, Oregon football coach. It's a big game, man. How you guys doing?
2: Doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm, uh, you know, I I'm stretching out for Saturday, although I I don't need to be stretched out to write, but it, it's got my adrenaline going. I don't, you know, it's it, I love that it's an important game. So congrats to you for getting oh, into an important game.
2: Yeah, always always fun to be playing in uh, in good games. This is, why, this is why you coach. This is why you play. This is why you're a fan, you know, this, the, these moments.
0: Distraction-wise, do you talk to your guys about, you know, game day and all that stuff and the noise, or is that an ongoing discussion that you've been having all along?
2: Our, our guys have handled it really well. I think at the end of the day you just explain to them, hey, none of these people will be here if you don't win, so just keep winning, right, <laughs> and uh, don't yeah. let the distractions um, don't let them become more, you know, bigger than the event itself, which is the game.
0: The home field in the Pac 12 has been interesting. I mean, we've been watching teams all year look like two different programs, home and away. Give us an idea, you know, home versus road. How different is your approach to this game with guys waking up in their own beds, or are you staying in a hotel?
2: Yeah, we, we stay in a hotel before every game, um, regardless of, of home or away, but obviously. The big, the big piece is where do you practice your crowd noise at practice, right? Are you doing it um, on the defensive side of the ball or are you doing it on the offensive side of the ball or both? And we've done a good amount of that on, on both sides. Our, our fans in this stadium and this environment, they've got an opportunity to make this place, you know, extremely dynamic. And, uh, you know, especially just start – everybody's going to have to start early on this Saturday, right? We've got to get up and ready to go for game day and then carry it all the way through the game. But that environment, I think, could be something that's a real advantage for us.
0: Yeah, I, I, we have uh, seen it over the years in games like this just be ear-splitting and alive. Nobody's sitting down. Dan Landing is with us, Oregon coach. We, you know, Often we'll hear teams say, hey, we got to take care of what we do. Don't focus so much on the other, the opponent. But there's a balance there as you're scouting and watching film. How much do you talk about staying true to your identity with, with your own team?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we all want to know our opponent well and uh, do a good job there, but also understand they watch film too, and they just came off a bye week. So they're certainly going to have some wrinkles, uh, some things that they do differently, and, and we have to do what we do, you know, better. And uh, there's a lot of pieces that this game is going to come down to, you know, a lot of situations that we have to execute at a high level. Um, but, but ultimately the focus for us this year when we've played our best is when the focus has been on us.
0: You want the ball to start the game? You want to go on defense? Does it not matter?
2: I'll take the ball as many times as you'll give it to us, right? I'd love to have it at the beginning of the game, the middle of the game, the end of the game, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So as often as we can touch the ball, the better. Um, that doesn't always mean that that's the approach we take to start the game from a defer kick standpoint. So uh, we'll see.
0: Coach, uh, you know, you, you take a head coaching job. you probably It's probably a whirlwind at the beginning. Now you've settled into the rhythm of a season. How are you feeling with – kind of the pace that you have going, and, and you know, how do you sort of keep yourself balanced amid the craziness?
2: Yeah, um, it's, a hard, it's a hard job. It carries, you know, a lot of weight, but there's a lot of people that have tough jobs, right? Um, I think our bye week hit at the right time. I think it allowed all of our coaches and players to kind of hit the refresh button. Um, it also allowed us to go do some recruiting that was, you know, much needed and necessary for us. During that window, but I'm extremely fortunate to be sitting in a seat. And there's a million people that would love to sit here, and I welcome the stress. You know, that's part of it's part of the job. It's part of what you carry. But I, I don't ever feel like I'm really going to work. I enjoy what I do.
0: I uh, I turned the TV on the other night. My eight-year-old and six-year-old were there, and I said, "Oh, Ghostbusters is on," and I put it on. You know what? I forgot. I forgot that that's a pretty damn scary movie at the beginning of the movie.
2: <laughs> you ever have that so experience? My son- <laughs> Yeah, no. There's some of those you forget about. I don't know if you remember the movie Dark Crystal. It's a real throwback, right? Um okay. But my my middle son Niles, I guess there's a Netflix series now, and he's kind of into the Dark Crystal. So he's been beg- begging me to get an episode of Dark Crystal in with him. I guess it's on Netflix. So at some point, I'm gonna take a take a glance at that with him.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I'm looking it up right now. That's like 1982, man. That's you know, I was like 12 years old when that came out. Uh, it, yeah, and- I was
2: negative four at the time, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but i have seen it i had seen it and I, that's why i was shocked when he brought it up but i guess there's a new you know new adaption of uh, or some sort um about that so excited to put my eyes on
6: it
0: defensively uh what it, what kind of growth have you seen since week one like if you go back and say okay here's where we were in week one here's where we are now what do you see different with your defense
2: we certainly tackled better. Um, I wouldn't say all the time, but at times we've certainly tackled better. I think we have a better understanding of what we're trying to accomplish. And I think there's still a lot of moments for growth. You know, there's a lot of opportunities for us to continue to get better. Um, you know, we have good players. we got to continue to put them in good situations to be, you know, effective and, and uh, do their role. But one thing that makes this conference fun is you're going to play against great offenses every week, and you got to come out there and perform, you know, every single week. So looking for continued growth. This, this game will certainly be a challenge. UCLA is really good on offense um and they have a quarterback that's really talented so we got to do a good job of keeping them contained and uh you know making sure we make great decisions
0: i know that we learn something about your team every time it plays like you know we're not there at practice all the time do you find Mm -hmm. that you learn more in practices learn more in games where does like the light go on for you when you see kind of growth in your team
6: you
2: know, I, yeah, for, for sure. Every single day in practice is a is a big learning event for us. You know, I think one of the hardest things to do is within a game. You might recognize something that you need to learn from, but when can you get that information to your players and and make sure you learn for from it before the game's over? You know, that's a benefit of practice is you get to blow the whistle, stop, and go correct something and get it fixed. Um, that's hard to do at times during the game. So. We want to be a team that learns from both, um, and I think we have this year. And When we're, we're our best, we can learn you know, within a game and, and make sure we can adapt and uh, overcome some mistakes that we can make.
0: Bo Nix uh, just continues. I think we've watched him get more and more comfortable using his feet more. Is that intentional? Is that something you guys are talking to him about, or is that just stuff is presenting itself and he's taking advantage?
2: We're intentionally telling Bo to play really well, and he's doing a good job of that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he's always been an athletic When I was going against Bo um, before, when he was playing for and i I'm in Georgia, you know, Bo's always been a really athletic quarterback. And I think what Bo's done a good job of is knowing, hey, when something's there that I can move my feet, that's a great opportunity. That's a great play for us, you know, within a game. And when people have to defend us knowing that he can take off and run, that makes it a a definite challenge uh, to the other
0: team. What do you see when you look at UCLA on film?
2: Yeah, they're a dynamic team. I think they, they do a good job of, uh, you know, they, they can create, you know, high anxiety for the uh, the opposing team because they can take a play that seems so simple um, and it turns into an explosive play. They do a great job of breaking tackles. They do a, a great job of getting the ball in space to playmakers and letting those guys make plays. Um, so, we you know, you, you have to settle down, take a deep breath, and re- hit the reset button every once in a while when you play these guys.
0: Yeah, and I watch Dorian Thompson Robinson. I see a guy who is making fewer and fewer mistakes and can hurt you a number of ways defensively. How do you attack a guy like that?
2: Well, you you have to you know take your take your time and not feel like you have to win the game every single play. Right? Um, you have to be balanced under under your attack and understand that he can beat you with both his arm and his legs. So, don't try to take away one thing and then at the end of the day be disappointed because he was able to attack you in another way. So um you know be patient uh at times you get an opportunity to pitch to him and throw something different at him you want to be able to do that but understand you're playing a guy that's been in the system for a long time and understands it really well
0: do you sleep well the night before a game
2: it just depends i don't know i mean um yeah not usually i guess would be the, the right answer
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: i just think adrenaline wise like you know for a guy like you, especially how you're wired, you know, with the juice and all that, and it, it just would feel like, you know, you can't wait to get the kickoff, but you need a good night of sleep. Maybe it's the night before the night before that matters more, you know, like maybe tonight. Tonight's the night you need a good night of sleep.
2: Let's do it. I'm in. <laughs> you know, I'm in. I'm all about it. I, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll give it a shot tomorrow, too. Right. Um, no, I just – football's exciting, right? It's It's hard to sleep when you're excited, so – uh, I get pretty amped up, I get pretty excited for, for the game, and uh, certainly I want to get a great night of uh, sleep every night, but that doesn't always happen, and uh, adapt and overcome, right?
0: Yeah, your parents uh, got a chance to go on the road and see you guys play a little bit, I think they were, were they in Tucson, maybe a couple weeks they went out on the road, what, yeah. you know, was, it, was that? did you get any time with them, or are you so busy coaching you hardly get to see them? No,
2: I got to uh, I got to catch him for a few minutes there on Saturday. We played a little bit later in the day, so after some of our morning
0: stuff, I got to catch him and,
2: and say, "Hey, what's
0: that like to have your parents in the in the crowd? Like, you know, there with you? Or is that is that? Do you get over that after you've played and they've, you've coached in, at Georgia and other places?"
2: Yeah, my uh, I've, I've been very fortunate to have really supportive parents. They've been supportive for a long time. You know, when I was. When I was a high school kid, I don't know if my dad ever missed a football game. And uh, now that I'm on the other side of the country, it's a little bit harder. He doesn't, he doesn't get to make every one of them, but I know he gets to watch them all. So uh, it's always fun to have great support, and I've been fortunate to have great support in
0: my family. All right. Dan Lanning, uh, wish you the best. Go get it, and uh, I will see you at the stadium. All right. See you there. Thanks, John. All right. There's Dan Lanning, Oregon football coach immediate response immediate reaction to that. Steven, what do you hear there?
3: Yeah, I like that uh you know, he talks about just being ready but at the same time like you <laughs> he said, "Hey, let's get some sleep tonight." Yeah, let's do it. Like he's ready yeah. to go at all moments of the uh, all the time and I think, you know, he always has said the right things. As long as he's been the Oregon coach, he's said really good things, but like you see the realness in him sometimes when he talks about that like, "Yeah, like you I'm just ready to go. I love coaching. I love being a part of the team." So, you know, it makes me just more excited Uh, For the game like it just makes the big game feel even bigger than it actually is
0: It's hard to have that interview because this this is a big game I I felt him a little tight in that interview That he wasn't as loose as maybe he was obviously on media day and maybe some other times we've had him on the show But we're also getting him on Thursday at 415 with a huge game on Saturday So he he sounds to me like he's already kind of locked into game mode and in other interviews, maybe he's been a little less. I thought the, the, uh, the part of the interview where he was most comfortable was when he was talking about the movie The Dark Crystal and his son and all that. You know, it was like everything away from football. But even when it came to Otson Stadium, he see, you know, and here's the other thing. Like, I'm thinking about his home games, the games that Oregon has played this season at home. They haven't played an opponent like this. I don't think Dan Lanning knows what Autzen Stadium's like on a game day when the crowd is fully engaged. I think it's going to be really eye-opening to him as well. Um, I wondered, you know, I don't necessarily think him being a little tight in the interview is, means that, you know, he's nervous. I think it is more of a reflection of him being locked into kind of game mode. So to speak.
3: Yeah, I mean, go back to the atmosphere. We talked about atmospheres uh, earlier in the week, and like, you know, I mentioned the the USC game on Halloween when Oregon played them. Uh, You know, that that atmosphere is great. So yeah, I think you're right. Like, Laney probably hasn't seen, Autzen Stadium at that type of atmosphere with game day being there. Um, yeah, and you know, to go on with being tight, I agree with you. I don't know that he, I don't know if he's tight, but I think it's just you know he's been, you know, working so hard to get to this moment. Uh, to play UCLA he's been studying you know he's been studying tape figuring out the game plan and it's one of those things where you hear athletes talk about you know when they're on the field or on the court like they can relax finally It's all the buildup up to the game it's the nerves before the game but as soon as the game tips off or you know kicks off that's when they get at their best and relaxing and I think that's kind of what Dan Lanning comes across to me as it's just like you know he gets nervous before the game but as soon as it starts he's ready to go.
0: I think, you know, older coaches have often said that they get, the, they get a great night of sleep the night before the game because they feel like, hey, I've done everything I can to prepare. But other people, you know, Mario Cristobal confessed like he barely slept the night before a game because he was so locked into what haven't I done or the adrenaline of the game and whatnot. I think it's a really interesting question. I think Chip Kelly, he is uh, high. I thought it was interesting, too, that UCLA is flying in so late on Friday night. They're, you're not getting to into Eugene until 5.30 or 6 p.m. Like, I think there's logic in it. Like, everything Chip Kelly does is strategic. But I think he is really interested in spending the least amount of time on the ground knowing that, hey, we're just here to sleep and then wake up and play a football game. And other coaches like to get in early, get acclimated, look around, have the downtime of the hotel. I think it's a really interesting approach that UCLA and Chip Kelly are taking getting in so late. I'm gonna ask around the conference here during the commercial break and find out what is customary.
3: Hey John, because, real quick, do you think yeah. uh do you think Dan Lanning the the tightness has to do also with the last big time game they played was Georgia and they
0: got yes. absolutely abolished? Yes. Could could be. I think some of it is just where we're getting him, right? We're getting this is probably the last interview he's doing before he is fully into game mode. So what are we at? We're at four thirty now mm-hmm. on Thursday. So he has, you know, less than 48 hours until he kicks off that football game. And, you know, so I think, you know, he's looking, he's looking at, Hey, by tomorrow at this time, it's going to be, Hey, we're just having some meetings and then we're going to sleep and we're going to wake up and play. So, you know, whatever he says, you know, breakfast and scrambled eggs and kick butt or whatever his his comment was that they should be putting on a t-shirt. But I think he probably in the back of his mind. Yeah. Like for him, the first impression that he made in that Georgia game in week one, it wasn't a great first impression. Everybody knew it. There was really a letdown. And so here comes his second chance to make a first impression. It's game day. You know, This it's a, it's a great angle. You know, pay attention. Let's see how they perform. I, I got Oregon winning this game. And, you know, I think, I think they win it. I think they cover the spread. I think the home field's too much to overcome. I think they're the most balanced team in the conference. I don't think any of these teams in the conference is perfect. I don't think any of these teams in the conference, frankly, would win a playoff game. But I think uh, we're going to find out who gets to Vegas, and I think the winner on Saturday has got the inside track for sure. Leave it here. Back to the
1: Bald-Faced Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
0: pointed out to me that I talked to two Oregon coaches today. I talked to Chip Kelly earlier in the day. Uh, Chip called and wanted to talk about the house that he built, uh, literally the house that he built in Eugene. Um, he also was in game mode. So, you know, Dan Lanning came on just a few minutes ago. Anna, you heard the interview. I, I think he was locked in. I I, I don't want to use the word tight. I think he was locked in because I think he's in game mode.
5: I like it. I like it that he's in game mode. And, you know, he doesn't want to give up too much, too. Like, as you're talking to him about the strategy around Bo Nix, like, are you talking to him about moving his feet and different things? Like, if I'm Dan Lanning, no, nothing. I want to be very, like, as tight-lipped as I can in an interview two days before the game, but still engaging enough so that I'm granting you the interview. Like, that makes sense, no? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, uh, like, I thought about Jonathan Smith, who came on yesterday. Jonathan Smith yesterday, I asked him point-blank who was going to start at quarterback, and he kind of had to give that up. (laughs) It was the first time that he had publicly uh, confirmed that Ben Golbranson will play at quarterback. You know damn well Colorado saw that. Jake Dickert, the Washington State coach, told me last week, okay? So I talked to Smith last week on Wednesday. He said Golbranson was going to start. Dickert said within a minute, somebody forwarded him my – tweet about gobertson starting that's how locked in all these coaches are it's somebody's job at every program to monitor what is being said what is being written and get it to the head coach
5: yeah yeah
0: so i think dan i think you're right dan lanning playing a little tight to the vest so i'm asking him about movies and stuff he don't (laughs) want to talk about it
5: and that's okay like so having spoken to both coaches today one older experienced one younger yeah. still experienced but you know obviously a lot younger what do you like what do you make of that what what are the takeaways for you like it's so easy to compare since you spoke with both of them
0: uh, chip kelly's been in a whole bunch of these games yeah he sounded a little calmer
5: mm-hmm.
0: he but he's been in a bunch of these games you know the big you know he's been on this stage he's been on bigger stages in the nfl and whatnot i think that's a little bit to his demeanor but he still was all business because I tried to steer Chip into like a variety of conversations <laughs> that I wanted to go talk about. <laughs> right. And he steered it back to Dorian Thompson Robinson. And he was most comfortable when he was talking to me. Like I asked him about Marcus Mariota and Darren Thomas and Jeremiah Masoli and Darren and uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I said, you know, as a learner, who is he most like? And he said, they're all different. Some of them are auditory. Some of them are visual learners some of them have to do it to learn it some of them don't like he he enjoyed talking about that but and then I asked him about Oregon and he said that's a good football team that's all he would say <laughs> that's a good football team because he knows damn well I'm gonna write it if he's like you know what we noticed that when they get into you know 12 personnel yeah, yeah he's on the right hash that?
5: he's not gonna say that
0: their tendency is you know here's the other thing Both of these guys have had two weeks. They both had a bye week last Uh week. Is it an advantage to Chip Kelly being more experienced that he had an extra week? Mm -hmm. Or is it an advantage to Dan Lanning that he has an extra week to prepare for Chip Kelly?
5: Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Because where Oregon used to kill people with Chip Kelly is when they would be on kind of a tight turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or they had the extra week and the opponent didn't. Oh, it was they murdered people mm-hmm. on those. Like they, you know, they're snapping the ball when you're not ready, kind of killing you.
5: So with your experience of talking to head coaches, like literally within this time frame, a couple of days before a big game, when coaches feel tight, is that, is there any correlation between tightness, looseness, and success? Because in one sense, you want coaches locked in and it's like all business. We're just here to do the job. You know, I'm here to do the job and so are the players. We're going to play for each other, whatever. Or do you find that coaches that have a more relaxed attitude going into the game and are a little more loose and free, like, you know, is that more of a recipe for success?
0: I have found no correlation that I can draw mm-hmm. like I used to look for that yeah but what I gathered from you know Lanning's interview today and maybe even my talk with Chip Kelly today or Jonathan Smith yesterday uh, was that Lanning what he really wanted to impart on our listeners was how important the atmosphere at Autzen Stadium was to them mm. he made he was very intentional I think listeners probably caught it in talking about the noise and how they're going to need the noise and how that is a factor. So I think he is telling you, if you're a Duck fan, when you're going to be in the stadium, hey, we need you on your feet and we need you engaged. And he said, get going early. I don't think he was, in, I don't think he was talking about you waking up early. Okay? <laughs> I think he was saying it's okay to have a mimosa at your tailgate. <laughs> Because you'll bring some of that energy into the stadium, you know. We
5: need you hyped fans. Yeah, because
0: I do think it would be a bigger advantage for Oregon if this game was at like five or six o'clock, when fans had had a good long tailgate, <laughs> instead of some scrambled eggs, you know, on the way into the stadium. So, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I've heard coaches that were super loose. Their team comes in, doesn't play well, they get criticized for it. Right. So I've had other coaches
5: I the ball, super
0: tight, and yeah. then we say, "Oh, the coach was too tight," you know. <laughs> so I, I think it really depends, and and I think obviously the bigger thing is with the players, you know, do they come in, are they relaxed, are they, you know, in the big thing, like you know, Landon got off the interview, and he, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing this. He shot me a text. He he thanked 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 us for the interview, and he said this would be a great game to win. <laughs> you know, and, and you know what my, my response to that is? I don't think Oregon needs to do anything, you know, extraordinary to win this game.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I keep thinking last week I watched Utah do this at home against USC. Did Utah do anything mind-blowing in beating USC 43-42? No. They just stayed true to kind of their principles on offense and defense, and Cam Rising made good plays, and, you know, they they couldn't be stopped in the second half. I actually think Oregon if Oregon just comes in and plays a good game, doesn't even have to play a great game. I think if Oregon plays good, I think Oregon wins this game. They're at home. And I think I think one of the, the things that teams that, you know, watch, you know, we used to see this in Super Bowls all the time, teams would go into a Super Bowl they just get boat raced. Yeah. Bunch of blowouts. Yeah. I think it was because there was 2 weeks of build up for the game. Everybody was sitting around by themselves, going, "I have to do this, I have to, and I have to do more than I normally do." Yeah, it's you. You put yourself in a position to fail when you do that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think one of the things, one of the reminders that I th- I have heard good coaches over and over say is, "Look, like, look, we just need to take care of us. We don't. You don't have to go out like Bo Nix doesn't have to go out and throw for five hundred yards and five touchdowns for Oregon to win. Right? He just needs to make. He just needs to be Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. You know, and Chris Hudson needs to be Chris Hudson." And, you know, Bucky Irving needs to be Bucky Irving. And Noah Sewell needs to be Noah Sewell. And I think, you know, the same goes over at Oregon State. Like, they are playing Colorado. Like, you know, it's not a college game day atmosphere at Reser Stadium, but it's an important game for Oregon State. What does Oregon State need to do? They just need to be themselves. That's a reminder for all of us. Like, when wake up, do you ever wake up and go, I have to be extraordinary today?
5: Oh, isn't that every day?
0: <laughs> do I have to? you know as a mom you have to get these kids off to
5: school as a dad i'm like oh as a know, mom my yeah. bar is so much lower than extraordinary <laughs> i just try to make it through the day keep the kids alive yeah. fed clothed
0: that's it that's your bar
5: yeah real low real low at the end it's of the lower day every day
0: <laughs> at the end of the day you're like they're alive
5: win i'll take the win take win, it win the day
0: <laughs> Made it another day I love that, uh, but like Stephen, do you do you like the show starts? Do you say, "Hey, I got to be extraordinary today," or what do you do?
3: Um, I mean, I don't think I consciously say it to myself, but you know, I do have a high standard for myself. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm an idiot, so uh, I just prepare myself before. I'm like Dan Lanning; I prepare all week, prepare all day, and then when the show comes, I'm ready to go.
0: There you go, get the juices going. I like it, Dan Lanning. I said to him, hey, you know, I think tonight is the night you need a good night of sleep. He's like, let's go. I thought he was telling me, like, I need to come over to his house and have a sleepover or something, have a sleeping bag or you something. Were chal- you were challenging him. <laughs> you know. That's
3: how competitive he is. You do challenge him to have a good night's sleep. Fine, I will. All right,
0: let's go. You know what? I'm going to text him at about 1230 in the morning and be like, are you asleep?
5: No, don't <laughs> no. do that. <laughs>
0: no.
5: You might wake him. I don't That's... know what his policy is when it comes to his phone and text messages. Are you sleeping now? <laughs> yeah, don't wake are him. Are still asleep?
0: <laughs> you know,
5: like, Give him all the advantages he can have. <laughs> I got a
0: friend who texts me. He's an early riser. Texts me at like 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, that's, what are you doing?
5: No. That's... What are you doing to me? Don't do that.
0: Don't text me there.
5: So does he, I, I didn't catch the part. Like, I think it's interesting that the whole football team goes and sleeps in a hotel, yeah. like not in their own beds with, you know, distractions the, the night before the game. Did he say that he does that too?
0: I, yeah, I'm sure he stays with a team,
5: okay, yeah, is that normal? I don't know these a lot things. of teams
0: do that, but sometimes I wonder because there's a shortage of hotels. yeah, but you know what we've seen teams do what? Washington State used to do this with Mike Leach. Uh, see, there's very few hotels like in Pullman uh-huh. that can accommodate a hundred people, right, right yeah. with that kind of size. Yeah, so what Leach would do is he would grab the hotels that are nearest to Pullman uh-huh. For his own team? Yeah. And then he would leave you driving in from like 35 miles away. So the visiting
5: team would have to piecemeal or Or they would be at a severe disadvantage. Big
0: disadvantage. Portland Uh, State ran into that predicament a few years ago. Bruce Barnum shared his angst with us about that. But I was wondering with Eugene, like how many places do they actually have where there could be a team? And so when UCLA comes in, is right. UCLA staying in Salem? Like, you know, like, yeah. where are they staying? Yeah. I need to talk to the football operations people.
5: Things to know.
0: Yeah. Inquiry. So, yeah, it's just, I, I mean, I maybe because I'm writing, you know, I'm writing a column off the game, maybe I need to go stay in a hotel the night before and get my head right.
5: Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. yeah.
0: Get locked in. Why aren't you
5: in. doing that? That's, I'm going to leave. Why are you, why are you subjecting why? yourself to all these familial distractions? Yeah. Go.
0: Instead, <laughs> no. I wake up. Yes, yeah. six-year-old and the eight-year-old are playing Legos. <laughs> They're arguing with each other. You know, the dog's yapping at it's me. It's a relief for you to get out the door and onto i five. How do they expect me to write these sentences?
5: <laughs> how should I? How do I cobble together some yeah. words?
0: I told. I, I said I was stretching out to Dan Lanning. I don't think he was amused by that. I was stretching out for the game, you know, he was like, "Okay, next question." <laughs> <So> <laughs> you know? Moving on. On. All right, leave it here. You got the bald-faced truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with
1: John Canzano on 750, The Game.
0: It was just a couple weeks ago that Bo Nix, the Oregon quarterback, came on this show, and I asked him what he missed from the state of Alabama. And he commented, do you remember what he commented, Stephen? Do you remember what he said? I do. What did he say? He said Chick-fil-A. So I just got a text from the University of Oregon's um, sports information director uh, who said this happened because Bo mentioned Chick-fil-A on your show. And Oregon football, of course, tweeting out that uh, they pulled up with a Chick-fil-A truck and the Oregon football team got to eat some Chick-fil-A. So you have to be careful is what I'm saying, with the power of this radio show. Bo Nix made a wish and he got Chick-fil-A. What should he have wished for?
3: Well, I got a question, John. Um, I haven't really been to the South like that. Is is Chick-fil-A different in the South than it is like up here in the northwest?
0: Well it just I think it that the origin of the company was I think it's Atlanta based. Yeah. And so the it didn't get out here for a while. Like, you know, I think it's been in the last decade that Chick-fil-A has shown up out here it used to be when I was living I I lived in Tallahassee for a while while in Florida there and really Georgia Florida but um you know they had Chick-fil-A over there and they didn't have it anywhere I I had no familiarity with like Chick-fil-A or White Castle or any of the things that I was suddenly seeing in other parts of the country or Whataburger and stuff like that what
5: White Castle
0: yeah. Why are you laughing at White Castle?
5: I don't know. Uh, the best part of Bo Nix, well, first of all, good on Chick-fil-A for paying attention. Yep. Right? Yeah. Like, somebody in the marketing department at Chick-fil-A is uh, doing their job. And then the best part of Bo Nix getting Chick-fil-A, like, their truck down to Eugene to serve the team is that Bo Nix was in the truck serving Chick-fil-A, like he had an apron on, like he was... An employee.
0: Yeah, so I think Bo <laughs> Nix got put to work. Yeah. Sorry, Bo. Because of us, he had to uh, sling Chick Fil A sandwiches all weekend. Uh, but uh, that's pretty cool. Like I, you know, should we make a bigger deal about that? Like, should we create a big station promo? You know. You never we, know who's
3: listening. You never know we, who's
0: listening to the show. It's that's twice this. It's happened with food companies because yeah. Jaden Grant and Jamba Juice. That's how it happened is for him as well. He got an NIL deal. Because he came on the show and said he drinks a Jamba every day. And now he does the uh, interview every Thursday, presented by Jamba Juice, and he's got his own Jamba drink.
3: <laughs> well, I, think we, I think we need a show meeting to talk about what companies, uh, what food companies we
0: want to sponsor the show. And we can just <laughs> say, yeah, right? we
3: eat there every day. And then maybe <laughs> yeah. they'll listen and they'll do it.
0: Maybe they'll bring us food every day? Yeah, I'm down so, with that.
5: Just yeah. casually drop them into our conversations, you know?
0: I think it's cool that the truck came. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they didn't just, like, ship out a bunch, a stack of sandwiches or something and go, like, hey, warm these up. They brought a truck. And I imagine, like, there's Chick-fil-A in the Portland metropolitan area. There's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like, it's not like this thing had to come from, like, Atlanta. So, (laughs) right? Right. You know, they they do this. (laughs) So, this is good, this is good branding for Chick-fil-A. And (laughs) we got to get Judah Newby on this and tell him, like, hey, we need a promo that says, hey. When the quarterback needs Chick Fil A, <laughs> this is where he comes to the bald face truth.
5: That's oh. what you need. You need big voice guy. I, big voice. I do. I that. do
3: owe Judah a chicken sandwich from Chick Fil A, by the way. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get us on the promo <laughs> and give me a free one I can give to him. There you go.
0: Uh, but uh, I was just texted by uh, Nate Kruger, the uh, football uh, sports information director at Oregon. He said, "Hey, you know this happened because of your show," and I was like, "Hey." There you go. Membership Membership has its privileges.
5: Bruce Barnum comes on and says, I'm going to buy beer for everybody that shows up at the Vikings uh, football game. And next thing he knows, he's getting a really big tab.
0: And I want to tell a little story, too, on that front. Not Barnum, but on the front of the platform of the show. So I'm at Salt Lake City, and I'm in Rice Eccles Stadium watching Utah and USC the other night. Mm -hmm. Minutes after College Football Game Day announced they were coming to Eugene for the UCLA-Oregon game this week, I got hit up by two PR people with ESPN who said, A, we just tweeted this out. Could you retweet it? Okay, like a friend, asking for a friend. Yeah. Second thing was, hey, do you want Reese Davis on your show? So they ESPN and this College Game Day thing, This is a – like, it's brilliant by ESPN because they have the – they basically get people tuned into their station early in the morning on a college football Saturday, every Saturday. They get everybody clamoring for game day. It's become this big thing. Like, where is game day? Where is game day? Brilliant on them. But they're only doing, like, one interview. Reese Davis is only doing one interview. And the lady texted me today. She said, hey, uh, he wants to come on Friday, tomorrow's show, in the 4 o'clock hour. I said, fine. That works for me. So – they're all about promoting what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they know exactly how to do it. And I'm sure they know of what's the Bald Face Truth Radio Show in every market that they go to. Mm-hmm. They know the go to radio show, they know the sports columnists, they know who to get to. They got it down like it. What, they weren't like Googling me on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I have heard from uh, Bill Hoffheimer, who is the head PR guy for ESPN before, mainly when I was barking at ESPN for screwing up the broadcast during games. <laughs> nevertheless uh he had my he had me in his contacts and he went who's the guy in Oregon that we need to get to that reach all those people on his radio show well that guy has been a pain in our ass (laughs) and so they know what they're doing isn't it really smart of them
5: it's I mean it's a pretty well-oiled machine I would think at this point um do you think that the twelve thirty kick uh has to do with it's twelve thirty, right on Saturday, do you think that has to do with their decision or would they have made the decision to do game day in Eugene even if it had been a later kickoff?
0: I think they might have done it if it was later, but they they picked that game. Yeah. So they drafted that game when in the weekly draft that they do where they get to pick which game they want. Mm-hmm. So they picked UCLA Oregon. I think they knew damn well and they had the 12:30 kick. The interesting thing is like there's synergy obviously because the game is on a Disney channel and they are Disney. So this game being on ESPN ABC and game day being there is not accidental. Like if Fox had drafted this game, I highly doubt that ESPN would be enthusiastic about bringing game day there. Right. All right. We got the five at five coming up. It's the five biggest stories. I am ready to give you five positive big stories. We're going to continue that trend. Okay. Can you keep it positive? I'll try. All right. You don't have to be outstanding. Just stay within yourself here. Don't just believe,
1: verify with KGW. From the Pacific Office Automation Studios, this is KXTG Portland. Your home of the bald-faced truth with John Canzano. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. 7.50 The Game. It's 5
3: o'clock.
2: Yeah, they're a dynamic team. You know, they, they can create, you know, high anxiety for the uh, the opposing team because they can take a play that seems so simple um, and it turns into an explosive play. They do a great job of breaking tackles. They do a, a great job of getting the ball in space to playmakers and letting those guys make plays.
3: Ducks coach Dan Lanning talking about that dynamic UCLA offense right here on the BFT with John Kanzani. You can catch the whole interview on 750thegame.com. Of course, Gabe will be down in Eugene as Oregon hosts UCLA on Saturday, 12:30 kickoff. Ducks six-point favorites, and the Blazers—they opened up their regular season one and zero last night after defeating the Kings in Sacramento, 115 to 108. plays next game up Friday at the Motor Center against the Suns. Local brand Portland Gear has signed Jackson Shellsad of Westland High School and Sophia Bell of Jesuit High School to NIL deals. These are the first two high school athletes in the state of Oregon to sign NIL deals. Both Shellstad and Bell are committed to play basketball for the Ducks. There's a the night football right here on 750 The Game. The Saints, they are in Arizona taking on the Cardinals. 5:15 kickoff. Cardinals, two-and-a-half point home favorites. Brought to you by Shoe Mill. On your feet all day, shop dance, go with Shoemill and shoemill.com. They put the world at your feet. From the Cascades to the coast, Frostbrood, Coors Light is keeping Oregon and Washington sports fans chilled all season long. Coors Light Made to chill. From the Beaverton Toyota Sports Desk, I'm Stephen Vaughn. You're listening to 750 The Game.
1: BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. All
0: right, earlier I said UCLA, Oregon on a disney station it's not it's on fox game is at twelve thirty on fox so if you uh i don't want you going to the wrong channel that's what i'm saying so the fact that game day's there i mean i i think that's big i mean i think all things being equal they like to feed into their own game their own programming but this is uh too much to ignore so fox drafted this game With number 10, Oregon, and number 9, UCLA. My bad on that. And Fox will have the game at 12.30, but ESPN College Game Day is going to hijack all the hysteria in the run-up to the game. Love that. I still think it's cool that Chick-fil-A was listening. I digress. The 5 at 5, the 5 biggest, baddest, coolest, most uplifting stories that you ever heard, right here.
1: The 5 at 5.
0: Credit to the Trailblazers. 1-0 this season. Got a big win last night in Sacramento on opening night. And it wasn't the usual suspects. The Blazers got a win while Damian Lillard was having a relatively off shooting night. Struggling a little bit himself. But Portland walked off a winner. Credit where credit's due. 115-108 to over Sacramento. Blazers took care of business. I didn't think the veterans in particular were very good. Yusuf Nurkic wasn't that good, but uh, Anthony Simons shot nine of twenty-two, scored uh, twenty-two points. Jeremy Grant had twenty-three points. Blazers defeat the Kings, spoiling a big night for Sacramento and starting one zero.
5: And a number two go. NASCAR suspending Bubba Wallace for one race after something that happened in Las Vegas. This was an investigation that determined he deliberately spun reigning cup champion Kyle Larson at Las Vegas in a dangerous act in quotes of retaliation before confronting him afterwards. He had a shoving match with Larson after Sunday's incident in Vegas and also pushed away a NASCAR official. Suspension handed down Tuesday falls under NASCAR's behavioral policy. I thought you were going to do uplifting. That lasted one day.
0: One day of one uplifting day. and
5: we're right back. We're right back.
3: If the no. fighting was slapping, I would have said it was okay. But it wasn't a slap <laughs>
0: <fight>. <laughs> I love it. College football playoff committee remains undecided on expansion. They concluded yet another lengthy closed-door meeting today and ended up undecided on when the playoff will expand to 12 teams. We know it's expanding, but they're trying to fast-track this. Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, called it a hurry-up offense when we talked to him earlier in the week. But they met in a conference room at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport today, and Bill Hancock removed from the stuffy windowless conference room at the airport with very few answers. Current contract expires after the 2025 season. There was a sense of optimism entering the meeting, folks. But it kind of feels like they're stuck. They want it done. But get it done. I mean, come on. Just get it done. How hard is this? Uh, I expect that this isn't going to happen in 2024. But can we get it done for 2025 that soon? There's a whole bunch of things that are up in the air, including... Where the games would be played: four quarterfinal games, two semifinal games. They would be bowl games. They also have to come to turns on a TV contract for the first round games. ESPN has control currently and would retain control uh, through uh, through their existing deals. So keep an eye on that. CFP still in a holding pattern. We know it's expanding. We just don't know
5: when. And a number four go. Chess Grandmaster Hans Niemann, at the center of a cheating scandal, has now filed a one hundred million dollar lawsuit against World Champion Magnus Carlsen. These are the most chess names ever: Magnus Carlsen and Hans Niemann. He's suing the World Champion and others for defamation. These are the people who are accusing him of cheating. They how brought did, allegations. How of did his he cheat, Anna? Light. We've talked about it. What is he being accused
0: of? Exactly. Uh,
5: just getting help from other people during matches, both online and also in person, with remarkable signals and unusual patterns. This is the guy that they, yeah. like, wanded his his
0: groin, low waist his groin.
5: groin and yeah. rear area. Because they
0: thought he has a uh, vibration system going on. Th- <laughs> you know what they need? They need a probe into this need to launch a probe
5: he's not helping himself because he does admit <laughs> that he cheated in two other situations when he was 12 and 16 years old we're talking about a 19 year old so there's that but you know the chess world is all up in arms you over know this. What?
0: there's an easy solution just have them all play in the nude
5: he offered to do that
0: yeah although <laughs> i would include chess players as kind of like with the naked bike ride as people you least want to see in the nude You know? You know what I mean? Don't stereotype them. I sure would like to see these athletes with their shirts off. Said nobody at a chess match. (laughs) Ever.
5: Hans, Neiman, and Magnus Carlsen. Magnus. Magnus. You know Hans looks great
3: with a shirt off.
0: (laughs) Finally. Fifth thing in the five at five. I find this really interesting whole bunch of superstar athletes are buying pickleball teams. Kevin Durant, the latest. He was announced today as the owner of an expansion team in Major League Pickleball. So they are adding Kevin Durant. Durant said he never thought he would get into pickleball in a video that was posted by the company that he bought the team from. Uh, He's bringing some passion for the game. LeBron James previously was announced as an owner. Draymond Green, Kevin Love, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, among others. Uh, they're expanding the pickleball league from twelve teams to sixteen teams. Can we have the pickleball people be in charge of the college football playoff? They can get it done like that. But uh, pickleball, not just for your neighborhood park. And that's the five at five. What is it with pickleball and pro athletes? Why is that speaking to people so robustly? Why are are they also interested in pickleball? I think they have
5: people in their ear saying, look, it is is one of the fastest rising sports in the country. So I think they have people in their ear saying, hey, get in early, and the profitability of this, you know, there's only upside if you get in early. There you go. But maybe the pickleball uh, bubble will burst. I don't know.
0: The pickleball bubble is going (laughs) to (laughs) burst. Say that five times fast. I don't think so. I don't think it's bursting anytime soon. What I actually think, look, will people watch Pickleball? Mm. I I know people want to play Pickleball.
5: Yeah.
0: But do you see big crowds when you go over to the local park and people are playing? I don't see big crowds showing up to watch this.
5: No, there's people playing. There's no cheering section. But that's what I mean.
3: What is the prime age for Pickleball? I thought it was, like, really
0: old. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Like, are the youngsters going to say, I'm going to be a Pickleball player now? Where is Judah when we need him? Judah is the Pickleball guy. I know. Crack the mic, Judah. Uh, We need to talk a little bit. Like, what what do you think, Anna? What's the average age of pickleball player?
5: Uh, It's skewing younger and younger. I mean, uh, our eight-year-old says it's the only sport she wants to play. I know. She
0: said that this morning. Yeah. She says, uh, I don't know know about volleyball. I want to play pickleball. (laughs) And I was like, no, you're not. You're playing volleyball, damn it. Um, All right. So we'll figure this out. What is it about pickleball that these athletes are seeing? It's probably the potential investment if we're being real for sure it's not the love of the game lebron's not getting involved for the love of the game at this point
5: i mean i would love to see an exhibition like pickleball match with all these people involved LeBron kevin and kevin durant, kevin
0: durant on a pickleball court
5: yeah, right wouldn't oh, that man. be great he, his wingspan would provide a tremendous advantage i bet
0: you he would get schooled by a real pickleball player though <laughs> like a really good pickleball fi- player
3: 55 year old at the park
0: yeah yeah, <laughs>
5: yeah.
0: That person would just crush him. Just a lot of trash talking on Twitter afterwards, though, from burner accounts. That would be the difference with Kevin Durant playing. All right. uh, Monday night or Monday night. Thursday night football is coming up. Tomorrow we are back with another great radio show. Jeff Schwartz on the show. Reese Davis from ESPN's College Game Day.
1: The Dan Patrick Show. Inside the NBA analyst Charles Barkley. Unless Anthony Davis is a top five player, the Lakers are going to be mediocre.
6: You know, he's the key to the Lakers. I said the exact same thing last year. LeBron put out that tweet talking about, I want you to keep that same energy you had over the night. And I'm going to have that <laughs> same energy <laughs> over the night. If the Lakers, if Anthony Davis is not a top five
1: player, the Lakers are going to be mediocre at best. Dan Patrick. Weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. On
0: 750 The Game. Hey, it's John Canzano. If perfect, clear, natural vision from King LASIK is on your wish list, well, this is the season of savings. This month, get $1,500 off LASIK. And 0% financing for 24 months means the best all-laser LASIK is just $167 a month. Plus, use your tax-free dollars from your FSA or HSA to save even more. King LASIK's affordability and convenient Saturday procedures make this the season to see life better. Schedule your free Zoom consultation at KingLasic.com. Skip the trip and get your groceries delivered with Safeway.com. Everything you need from milk, eggs, fresh meat and produce, and much more. Fresh. Fast delivered to your door. Shop online at Safeway.com and enjoy
1: same-day grocery delivery to your home. Alpha Media is proud to announce our new partnership with PNC and their sponsorship of the newly renamed PNC Live Studio. It's the same intimate venue for live music at the same location. And with PNC's help, we will continue to bring you great artists all year long. Go to PNCLiveStudio.com to find out more.
3: All right, listen up, sports bettors. This is Peter Sampson here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football's back, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. You want to know why? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, eSports, and all kinds of action you can't find elsewhere. Call today.